Welcome to another episode of Breaking the Glass Slipper, where we discuss women in fantasy, science fiction and horror. Time and again I hear readers say how surprised they are when a woman can write a convincing male character, and vice versa. But why do we have this perception? After all, we're all human beings. All stories, for the most part anyway, need to have a mixture of male and female characters, so it's inevitable that all writers will have to eventually write a character of the opposite gender. This should not make a difference to the quality of characterization or how readers interpret the character, and yet it seems to. It, it really surprises me when people just say, oh, that was a really great female character, but I was really surprised because it was written by a man. And I, I, I still can't understand why people are so surprised that it's possible to write a brilliant character of the opposite gender. So I wanted to talk to you both about you know, more uh, your experience as a writer more than a reader sometimes um, in terms of do you develop your character traits for characters with gender in mind when you're writing? Well, I can go first on this one because I actually have um, a perfect example of um, changing gender, actually. I, I wrote my my first book, Starworn. Um, when I wrote that, I... Uh, my, my main character is, is a 17-year-old um, girl, but actually started out as a 17-year-old boy. Um, and I did a lot of thinking about why that could have been, um, you know, many years ago when I first had the idea. And I think I was subconsciously responding to a well-established practice to write from the male perspective. Um, and I think that comes from being an impressionable teenager, uh, reading mostly male uh, driven fantasy a uh, classic example the belgariad by david eddings i love loved, that yes love love <laughs> love i i always defend it i know it's terribly stereotypical and full of cliches but it's such a great series um and he's not alone i mean terry goodkin sword of truth i mean the shannara books most of them were male protagonists wheel of time i know they had a lot of women in that but again randall thor you know the main chosen one character as a young man um and, and even robin hobb and fits um there's a lot of um you know if, if there if there's a journey of discovery to be made to be had it's usually undertaken by a young man and I think that's one of the reasons, possibly the principal and only reason that I really cho chose to write my own coming of age fantasy story from the male perspective. Um, but I mean, when I realised that there was absolutely no reason to stick with a male lead. Um, and in fact, I actually found the process of changing from male to female very liberating. Um, I say because... I'm, I'm obviously a woman. I empathise with women. I ought to be able to write women better. Um, I didn't feel necessarily like it was a struggle to write a young man, um, but I did feel that the book was stronger for changing the gender. So I feel like I, I did restrict myself in terms of character. So did you feel like you had to change up personality traits when you did that switch? Um, no, I didn't. They generally kindra and kindren yeah i know particularly original names there um but i i they didn't really change in personality the, the changes i found the most challenging and the most numerous were all um the landscape of social interaction so when i mean it's fantasy there's a lot of peril involved so whenever uh, my main character was in peril 
react i hardly had to change those scenes at all um because you know when you're a human and you're in danger your life is in danger you really just revert to base instinct and you're fighting to stay alive and male you know men and women react in the same way but it's it's the vast landscape of social interaction that is is where the differences really arise i mean i always give the example of um Quite early in the book, I had um, my young man sitting on the back of a horse uh, being driven. I'm saying driven. Can you drive a horse? <laughs> being ridden by another man. And um, as that was, that was kind of fine. But then when my main character changed to a woman, suddenly the whole thing of sitting behind a male stranger on a horse, the whole etiquette of that changes because you don't know that man. Where do you put your hands? A, a young woman putting your hands on a, you know, her hands on a, on a male stranger's waist suddenly seems very inappropriate and quite, you know, awkward. So it was little things like that that really jumped out at me. And, and I had to do quite a lot of work to kind of to, to make that uh, to actually, you know, change, change the, the whole gender around. I mean, I think um, a lot of people when they asked me this question, they seemed to think that it was like a huge mountain of work, you know, like I had to completely change the character, but it really isn't true. Um, I think essentially the heart, um, that character was always going to be that character, um, no matter what gender they are. It was simply, you know, the way that they relate, related to other people that, um, that, you know, that took the most work in, in changing. I think you'll find there, Lucy, that the idea of uh, a female rider on the back of a horse putting her arms around a, a young man is pretty much what happens in every single romance novel you've ever written. So if that doesn't go very well as a fantasy story, you can always rewrite it as a romance one, I'm sure. Hooray. And it only lasted for about two days in the journey. <laughs> <laughs> Features very largely in my book, clearly. But I mean, for me, I started out writing horror, writing horror short stories, I've written a novella got some stuff coming out and I I was recently asked to make a pitch for a, a small press and I started out thinking okay well I've got this vague idea and I started putting pen to paper and it was the two main viewpoint characters were a young boy and a older man and they were in this sort of closed secular community and I looked at it and I went why am I writing about all about men when previously all my other work sort of fantasy particularly dark fantasy has been centering around women and I went, I wonder what happens if I change that young lad into a young lass and suddenly you've got a whole new dimension to explore. And I was quite intrigued at my own thinking because I'd originally gone, well, this is a small press. It's quite traditional. It's got a load of male writers on it. Um, not, you know, I, I think it's, I don't think there's anything um, biased there because obviously he asked me if I would like to submit something. But it was obviously, I looked at it and I went, oh, you know, it's it's catering for a male market and I suddenly sat and went well hang on no wait a minute he's already got a load of stuff from male market what I want to do is I want to do something slightly different and I can take this original horror trope and I can just give it a brand new spin by making the one of the protagonists a young woman and crucially not a young woman that has a romantic interest particularly in this other man or at least that's not the whole point of the story because you get a lot of horror where there's obviously the boy and girl trying to be together and you can place bets on whether or not they're both going to survive um or the, the wonderful idea in horror that if you have sex you're pretty much doomed to be killed at least one of you um so it was very interesting to sort of start plotting this novella and turn it around and go actually now i'm going to make this a girl and take it in a similar but suddenly very different direction yeah um it, it always makes me think of the you know the idea behind 
Buffy, where Joss talks about, you know, he just wanted to do that kind of horror story where, you know, the blonde girl isn't the one that gets taken out first. She's the one that turns around and chops the heads off. <laughs> she does the taking out. She absolutely does. It's very interesting. I don't know if you've seen the meme that's been doing the rounds of Facebook pretty much all the time. We've got contrasting pictures of Edward and Bella and their relationship and Buffy and Angel and their relationship. And you've got Edward kind of going, oh, I will stalk you and play mind games and think about killing you. And, and young Bella goes, oh, but you know, I'll just internalize your abuse and assume that it's all my fault because I'm a woman. Whereas you then got Angel going, hey, Buffy, do you need a hand? And Buffy going, no, that's right. I'll just kill this vampire and then we can snuggle. <laughs> and I think... <laughs> I think that's a perfect example that just there of how you can bring out different traits in gender because you do get the soppy 17 year old like Bella and I, I mean I read Twilight and I really liked it uh, I hate to say it, but it, I liked it because it was some of the insecurities of being a 17 year old and being in love and wondering if the other person really loves you and thinking they're too good for you which I think boys and girls can both relate to and that is a valid interpretation but I think then on the other side you've then got Buffy where we all like to think we're a little bit kick-ass and you know but she's still she's still quite vulnerable in certain ways as well so I think that's a perfect example of how you can have a gender in mind and you can pick two complete opposites but still make it quite quite attractive quite accurate so plenty of girls will familiarize with uh, sorry will sympathize with Bella and plenty will sympathize with Buffy uh, so I think it doesn't necessarily have to be a stereotype. It, it can certainly be different elements to a, a particular character. Yeah, definitely. And you, you were talking about how, you know, you're, you're writing male protagonists and thinking about this being for a male market. Do you think that that's ever going to change? Or do you, I mean, that it, that it still is a thing that if, if you have a female protagonist, you're going to be mostly read by women. And if you have a male protagonist, it'll be more the area of men. Well, it's an interesting point, Megan, and I really don't know. I mean, there is a little part of me that wonders if I submit this pitch to uh, the small press, whether they're going to turn around and go, well, it's not really for us. But then I kind of go, well, that would be fine. And, and obviously, that's the market they're looking for. But that is a little bit of a worry in the back of my head, wondering whether or not they'll turn it down on the basis of it being being women. And they'll say their reader's market is, is very male. Um, but I think what I tend to do um, is that if I do longer pieces and shorter pieces, my stuff is channeling from the young girl's point of view. Or it is these days anyway. But for for longer pieces, like um, this year, I've got coming out something called Into the Greenwood. It's a young adult tale, uh, dark fantasy, and it's got a female protagonist and her little brother is a, a male protagonist. Because I remember when I was a kid, I used to read Robin Jarvis. Do either of you guys know oh, him? I love him. I yeah. Love him. Do you remember the Whitby series in particular? Yes. Had, yeah, Ben and Janet. And I remember reading it and really sympathising with Janet, but also being intrigued to read about Ben's point of view as well. And kind of go, well, actually, I never knew that, you know, like an eight-year-old boy thought about things like that. But it worked really nicely. So I've tried to replicate that in my own work and try to make it available to a broad audience. So if guys read it, they can go, oh, yeah, well, you know, I, I can sympathise with what this guy is doing. But it's quite interesting to learn about what a a teenage girl would do in this particular situation and sort of vice versa. Yeah, um, I mean, I, it is a question that I ask myself um, as a bookseller and a writer. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm right, I'm a, a, a young woman writing a, a young female protagonist in a genre that is has 
traditionally been associated with um, men and also male readers and I always wonder whether that damages my sales somewhat and whether there are because I mean there are I have actually met um, unfortunately someone who did say that he would never um, buy a book uh, with a, a female protagonist um, because he couldn't empathize with women which is just bizarre because we're all the same um, and I think that's that's um that's a very sad, I mean, I think he's probably in the minority, but it does, it's just one of those worries that you think, oh God, you know, if I'm a, I, mean, I wouldn't actually ever change back and, and do that because I feel like, um, you know, in, especially in epic fantasy, um, we don't have enough, um, I don't think we have enough uh, fe- young female leads, actually, especially in that kind of quite, um, you know, f- almost like farm girl to is a chosen one has a destiny kind of story which i hesitate to put myself in that category but i am kind of in that category because it's it wasn't those are the stories that really reached out to me when i was a teenager and i really wanted to um i wanted to write my own version of that and i just feel um really kind of very happy that i ended up changing the gender round because i thought it's it's a there's not that many of them out there and it was very rewarding to do so um and and i it's not that i just have that one perspective i mean i have i do write with um with several point of view characters and actually my new book that's coming out in june um is is actually shared between about four or five point of views and three of those are male so um you know i'd like to i like to kind of maintain an equal gendered balance in in my writing and i don't think that um, I'd hope that having, you know, a, a, a female, a young female protagonist wouldn't put uh, male readers off. Well, in terms of gendered readers, um, I went to the literary festival in Oxford last year and uh, Diana Gabaldon was there. And she was talking about how, you know, back in the day when she first published Outlander, she was just sitting in a mall in front of a, a pile of her books doing her own marketing basically she was just selling to people who were walking by and she used to tailor her marketing pitch to them depending on you know their age and gender and you know it's a bit sad that it was the stereotypical thing but you know you should say oh uh, you know an, an older man came up and she would say oh yes it's full of military history and and things like that and you know a young woman comes in and she says oh you know it's a romance and you know, and so on. So she would tailor that to her readers. And it's quite sad in a way that we have to do that, that that there is that stereotype in terms of the audience and what they're looking for. But at the same time, you know, you can see how that's a clever marketing trick. But, you know, and and Lucy, you were talking about how you have, you try to have male and female point of views in in the same thing so that you have that gender equality so hopefully you know maybe things that have a female protagonist that also have a male point of view would appeal to a more wider cross-section of society um i think it's gen the problem is gender assumptions and it's so easy to to make an assumption in fact we all of us and i include myself in this we just do it all the time without even really thinking about it um i mean in my writing i i I try to be a bit more aware of it, but it would it would in small things like you know when you have a side character that comes in like a guard or a blacksmith. Um, I would write he, and um, the blacksmith unfortunately 
stayed as a man uh but i did i do have a female engineer but the one that really got me was when i was in a city and some guards came along you know like the proper you know inept guards kind of stereotype but um they were both men and i didn't kind of realize what i was doing until i looked back at the the, the paragraph that i'd just written and had a thought i thought hang on a second why why are they men why have i done that it, it was like a knee-jerk reaction it was just it just popped out like the pronoun he just got written his and um i thought well am i am i writing a patriarchal society no this is not westeros i'm not gonna base it on 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 a kind of having this patriarchal society so why on earth am i following um the conventions laid down by you know in in that i'm familiar with that history is familiar with you know this is my world i'm uh, you know god as it were uh, i can you know decide how my society is structured so there's absolutely no reason to um, recreate our own institutions of gender on the page yeah i mean it's it's interesting you say about the pronouns because i was um, basically i set myself exercises every now and then to just kind of flush out ideas and i was thinking about potentially trying to write a short story with neutral pronouns so um there's guys Spivak uh, came up with these pronouns. So um, the subject would be E, the object M, possessive adjective air, possessive pronoun airs, and reflexive himself. So you replace the he and her with these um, gender neutral pronouns. And it's actually quite weird to think about it because I kept thinking, like, in my head, you know, trying to do this, okay, we're keeping it gender neutral. But then I would try to describe the people in very gendered terms anyway. But then you think about uh, science fiction. So a lot of science fiction has, you know, species, races, etc. that aren't necessarily binary and gender. And obviously everyone talks about The Left Hand of Darkness by Ursula Le Guin, which is quite sad that we're still talking about this as this groundbreaking piece of writing when it was published in the 60s, you know, that there's not been very much that sort of treads this ground since... 1967 or whatever it was that she published it um so in in that book i don't know if uh both of you have read it but there's an alien race that can identify as either gender at, at any point in time so someone might feel like they're the man um and or they might feel like a woman and kind of everyone has the ability to create children and so on and so forth but then recently i also read Anne lecky's ancillary justice and what she did that's interesting there was that she tried to she created a society society that uh, doesn't distinguish people by gender and they use female pronouns for everyone which is quite a nice touch and then you have the main character then going out of their comfort zone and meeting people from other societies that do have you know gender um, descriptors and then that her protagonist is always guessing the wrong gender pronoun which is quite a fun way of, of doing this whole thing at looking at how the way we are ingrained in using, you know, this gendered terms, it, it's all about a societal structure. So just because we have been sort of raised at birth, you know, I'll, you have my philosophy coming through now and I, I think about Rousseau and the social contract. You say, you know, we were a blank slate, but the thing is we're never going to be able to be that way because from the minute we're born we're influenced by everyone around us. And because, you know, we live in this gendered binary kind of world, it's going to be 
very, very hard to break out of that kind of um, automatic response to gender. Well, I might be being a bit controversial here, Megan, but I'm not necessarily sure that stereotypes are 100% bad. Um, When I left university, I did a a short course to try and keep myself entertained uh, about Homer and his poetry in society. And one of the things I remember reading was um, someone, because we translated the original text, someone sort of said, well, why why is Homer using these standard stock phrases when he's got such beautiful language that he could draw on? And the answer that was given back by the uh, the Open University or whichever researcher they'd employed was that Homer appreciated that the audience is going to get completely overwhelmed if you use fantastic language all of the time for something, you know, the length of his Odyssey or the Iliad. And what he did was he used to throw in these stock phrases so that people kind of knew what was coming and sort of had an idea and could almost ground themselves again before they launched into this new fantastic idea. And I think it's the same with characters. I think if you had a book where the characters were all non-stereotypical, it would be, first of all, very confusing. It would probably win many prizes, I would imagine. But it would probably be also a very hard read. I think some good books have sort of 80% of characters that are stereotypical, like Lucy was saying earlier with her guards and things like that, but then concentrate on 20% that are that do challenge our expectations and aren't stereotypes and it's easier to appreciate them when you see them in contact with the 80% of the world that is stereotypical and you see just how unique and refreshing they are. So I don't necessarily think the stereotype is bad. I think if you had a book that was 100% stereotype, that's where it's starting to go a bit wrong. But if you can throw in 20% that is going to be unique and interesting I think that's going to do very well and I think people are going to not only appreciate it but are also going to find the book very very readable yeah I think actually that's why things like the two examples I uh, mentioned ancillary justice and left hand of darkness is where you have your narrator commenting on this difference and that's what kind of grounds it in things that we can understand. So it's not so confusing for a reader going into it because, you know, there's um, in Left Hand of Darkness, he's kind of a scientist and he said, this is so bizarre. We we don't do this in our society. And then commenting on that fact. So it, it, you kind of get away with that big change at being still um, understandable by the reader. Um, I think, I mean, I, do, I agree with Charlotte as well about... Um having that um you know balance of the recognizable and the um you know and the unfamiliar which and you see the unfamiliar unfamiliar that that pushes boundaries and and challenges uh, tropes i mean i think a lot of trying to put this in a um trying to phrase this properly um so example from my writing i hate using examples from my writing but it's um things like love triangles i mean okay so so the love triangle is a that's very well established as as a bit of a stereotype i mean you've got the classic one in twilight which is a perfect example of the stereotypical love triangle and that seems to crop up a lot in even in books by women books by men books written today it's a very you know a very popular um trope and um so i just decided that yeah okay i have a love triangle but i was going to just reverse the genders so i have um, a man and two women which is just 
slightly different from you know I was just trying to and I suppose I wasn't doing it consciously in a way but I mean it's something I noticed afterwards when I was kind of looking for um for tropes within my writing um that I just noticed that it was something that I you know it's it's a a familiar relationship structure so people could empathize with it but it just mixes things up a little bit so it's kind of introducing the unfamiliar um and I, I found there's another example where I notice that a lot especially fantasy it's just a and and maybe this crops up in particularly patriarchal societies but i often find there's that stereotype of an older um authoritarian male figure uh abusing taking advantage of intimidating a young woman and that is how that was another stereotype that i wrote into the first draft of starborn um and that wasn't again until i took a quite a hard look at it on about edit four and I realized that why you know why is it always um, a young woman so I changed it to a young man instead because I thought you know there's no real reason that I have to can keep conforming um, to the, the kind of the recognized um, stereotypes but again kind of picking up on what Charlotte said those stereotypes are still in my writing I mean I still have the love triangle I still have the you know um, innocent kind of more innocent naive character being manipulated by an older character in a position of authority so those still remain um it's just about maybe just looking at them approaching the you know the familiar old stereotype with um, a different viewpoint um, and that's what makes writing a bit more interesting and, and a bit more challenging yeah definitely so not about um you know a, a total reinvention i think it is important to kind of maintain that balance between the the familiar and the unfamiliar yeah well as they say you know there's only so many story you know out there so plots i think there's about yeah. some people say there's two some people say there's seven and then there's a few that says there's 32 but i mean it's amazing i think i only read that the other day that apparently there there's some people just believe there are two plots um I think it's Stranger Comes to Town or Person Goes on an Adventure. And then there's an also another train of thought that says that those are actually the same thing, but it depends whose perspective you come from. <laughs> that's, that's a very good point, Lucy. I mean, one of the things that I think is the remit for writers is, yeah, there probably are only several stories that you can tell, but where the writer really comes in is creating the characters. Um, I mean, one of my favourite authors is John Connolly in the Charlie Parker books. And it's pretty standard crime stuff, but it's the characters that just make it. And I just crease up whenever I read about Angel and Louie, the two gay hitmen. And, you know, Charlie Parker himself is a a fantastic character. So John's managed to take something that is pretty standard and pretty straightforward, but he's populated it with characters that stick in your memory and characters that you want to be with. And I think you could say that with any um any book so like we were talking uh, last week about Naomi Novik and I really liked Uprooted and I was kind of going well I really like the characters but I kind of like where she left the book as well and I almost don't want whilst I really would like to spend more time with those characters I kind of like where they are and I don't really want to see anything bad happen to them because they kind of got to a decent place where everybody was sort of happy and had, had reached a balance and an equilibrium and I just kind of want to leave them there and, and think of them as happy rather than throw anything else at them. But it just goes to show that that's the power of character rather than, you know, the story. It's not that I want to read more about the story. I, I want to read more about the characters and spend more time with them. 
Um, Naomi Novik's a really good uh, example, actually, of how your our original question is about um, women writing men and men writing women. Um, she uprooted as as a young female protagonist and it's a wonderful wonderful book but her temeraire series is um in in from the perspective i've read the first three books um it's from the perspective of lawrence uh, and he's brilliantly portrayed um there's nothing that jumps out at me as i mean i wouldn't even think about uh, her gender when it comes into you know those two characters they're both excellent characters and there's no um there's no difference between them um yes she's a really good example of of just someone who is excellent at character and it doesn't matter what gender that character is she just does good people when you approach a book and you know that it's got uh, a female protagonist but written by a man do you approach it differently do you try to do you ever take notice of uh, the way that it's constructed um, more than if you knew it was written by a woman I don't think so, but I must admit, if they make mistakes, I do tend to put it down to gender and experience. So there was one one guy that I read um, who written a horror novel, and he talked about a woman and her feelings about being pregnant at the time, and particularly in um, losing the baby. And I looked at it and I went, well, it's a very good story and the rest of it is excellent, but on this one particular point... I don't really feel that he's he's quite got how I would feel. And I, I didn't lose sympathy or interest in the novel. I still wanted to, you know, read to the end and see how it went. But it was just interesting that he'd obviously not run it past a female beta reader or if he had that perhaps one that hadn't had those feelings. Because obviously as a as a mother, <laughs> it's the famous Bill Bailey thing, isn't it? Speaking as a mother, I I kind of didn't quite gel with that character with her pregnancy because I went, Well, that's not my experience and it's not the experience I have of, of many women of, of sort of experiencing those kind of things but generally I don't necessarily think that I have a have a particular bias as long as it's a good character and again it's it's back to that idea it's like there's only so many stories but it's all about the character and if you write a good character with a male or female I'm not going to judge it or go oh well that's not a really good one just because you're a bloke or alternatively oh you don't write men well because you're a woman I think it's just as long as they're good believable characters which can be written by both sides and as a writer, that's what the beta readers are for. So I've got a, a novella coming out at some point which will deal with a young teenage boy and I sent it to a male horror writer I know and I basically said to him, look, I have no idea what teenage boys think about. This is what I think they think about, particularly if they're facing an apocalypse with giant killer worms. Is this what you think you would be as a you know, sort of 16, 17-year-old boy facing an apocalypse with giant killer worms? And he wrote back and went, yeah, that sounds about right. That's pretty much what I'd be thinking about. So I think if you, as a writer, if you can try and incorporate beta readers of both sexes, I think that will make your novel or novella or short story or whatever you're writing just that little bit better because they will be able to point out bits that perhaps don't quite match for them, perhaps that they don't quite sympathise, you don't feel you've got wrong. I think that is very sensible. I completely agree. Um, you don't want to make the mistake of i won't name it's a very quite a famous household name fantasy male author who i read his first book i enjoyed it but i decided not to read any more of the series based on one thing that this is maybe someone will call me picky for it but it was one thing that really jumped out at me and really irritated me because it was totally wrong um it's a the female character the female protagonist is gang raped i know classic um near the end of the book and two weeks later two weeks later she willingly has sex with 
um, with actually the other, I think, male main character. Um, oh God, you know, I just, it was just really, it was, it was beyond eye rolling. I could not believe that, that it had gone in there without any editor picking it up or saying, have you not thought about this? Why is the gang rape really necessary? Oh, also, she was a virgin before the gang rape. And then two weeks later, it's okay, happy to have willing sex with this other man. And it's like so unrealistic. It uh, just, so it's stuff like that where guys, sorry, but you really let yourselves down because it just wouldn't happen. And and, and unfortunately that's that kind of, it has almost become a stereotype in itself, that situation. Um, And I don't know why it's still being kind of, that that book was only published a, a few years ago. So be nice to move away from those that kind of situation. That's all we have time for today. But I hope you enjoyed our discussion of writing gender, specifically writing characters of the opposite gender. And I hope you'll tune in for Breaking the Glass Slipper next time when we interview fantasy writer Ben Peake.